0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Asher Agency, a full-service partner to clients nationwide. Asher's services include media planning, creative, digital and social, website development, public relations, printing and fulfillment, and more. Anything you need to connect with your prospects and tell your story. To learn more, visit asheragency.com or contact us at hello at asheragency.com. Our guest is Lynn Marbaugh. Lynn, how are you? I'm good. Freezing. Yeah. it's Hopefully by the time this reaches the world, it won't be as cold because it's colder than it's ever been and colder than it will ever be. (laughs) Let's hope so. Well, thank you for finally doing this. We had your husband on the podcast. I don't know when that was, maybe about a year ago. And I told him it was a goal of mine to get you on the podcast and you resisted that until now. So thanks for doing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had to keep up with him. He kind of... I mean, I can't let him do it and then not do that's right, it. So. That's right. You
0: don't want him to have a I'm not getting shown
1: up over here. That's right. That's right. He can't be the worst Marbaugh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're the second mob Marba on the podcast. So we'll see how you end up in the standings when we're done. Are you the first in terms of quality and only second in terms of chronology? We shall see.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll we'll have more people listen.
0: That's a good gauge. Who knows? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, that will be the cliffhanger. We'll yeah. see where that is. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jim. All right. So let's talk about your career path because you have been doing the same thing for a long time, mm-hmm. but what were you originally thinking about when you were thinking about careers? Did you say someday I want to be managing a retail specialty running store? Was that your dream from the time you were very young or did you have different ideas?
1: I would say when I was a lot younger, I had a lot of really big dreams, different mm-hmm. stuff I wanted to do. I was one of those kids that would be all in on something. Yeah. Like when I was in elementary school, I wanted to be a choreographer because okay. I was into dance. All right. <laughs> and I studied, you know, yeah. studied it. I did dance yeah. classes. Like I would do all my school projects on different choreographers or, okay. you know, dance yeah. type stuff. Um. And then as I got older, I kind of got whatever I would be into, I would kind of be obsessed with. Yeah. So, when I was in high school, I um, started doing the school newspaper mm-hmm. and eventually was the editor-in-chief of the newspaper. And so I wanted to go into journalism. Yeah. This was—I graduated high school in 2007. So okay. it was—I mean, it's it's kind of always a—journalism is kind of an always in flux. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely being affected a lot by digital media yeah. and just things changing yeah. in, um, in the world of journalism. So I— Was looking at journalism schools specifically, and my dad brought up that if I studied something more like communication, it would broaden those opportunities for me. I could look at different stuff to do. Um, And specifically looking at the University of St. Francis, I could run there, Mm -hmm. which the places I was going to study journalism, I just was not at the caliber where I'd be able to run for those teams. So. Um, I looked at the University of St. Francis. They have a great communication department. And specifically, my concentration was in public relations. Okay, Um, And so that does, I mean, journalism and public relations are very similar and very related. um, But I think that that was definitely the right move.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know you, and this will become self-explanatory a little bit later, but when you said you chose... St. Francis, because you could run there, it did not mean you could run from your home <laughs> to the campus. It meant you could run as a sport. Was it cross-country? Correct. You? Yeah,
1: yeah cross-country yeah. and track and field. Okay. Um, I probably could run there.
0: But I, it would be a long run.
1: I, I'm not going to, <laughs> <laughs> but I think theoretically I could have run there. I did. I Honestly, the distance from my house was kind of a downside for me. I think like every 18-year-old I wanted to get uh, oh, want to as far, far away. away as possible. Yeah, yeah. Um but I also you know it's kind of a, a push pull situation where I I wanted to be on my own doing my own thing but I didn't actually really want to be that far away from home. Yeah. Um my brother went to Franklin College uh-huh. which is like a little over 2 hours away. I was yeah. looking at Butler. Yeah. Um Butler is a D1 incredibly impressive yeah. NCAA cross country program. Yeah. Um, St. Francis is an NAIA program, yeah. so I, I had the opportunity to compete in sports at that level. Um, it's also just a much different size school. Yeah. Um, and as a freshman, I lived on campus, so okay. I got I got that same opportunity and got to kind of make my own path.
0: So did you do all three, cross country, spring, and um, winter track?
1: Yeah, so I did cross country uh, in the fall, yeah. indoor track, um, winter, early spring, and then in the spring, outdoor tracks. So, and
0: were you distance events in the in winter and spring track
1: yeah so actually um yeah so technically a three sport athlete um and then we i did everything d- depending on the year and the season i did anything from like the 400 up to the 5k on the track yeah okay. so pretty much as short as you can go as a distance runner <laughs> yeah, is yeah almost as long i never did a 10k on the track um thank goodness i yeah. and not because i don't like the 10k i just wouldn't uh, it would. Everybody would have been out there for too long.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had the same problem. I I ran the two mile indoor, and I think on an indoor track it's twenty something laps, which seemed like forever. Now two miles seems like nothing, right? But yeah, I was the person who held up the rest of the yeah. <laughs> the event a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, so. I wasn't trying to get pulled off the track. <laughs> So yeah. they could start the next event. Yeah. So yeah. But I did end up I, – I was mainly a mid-distance runner when I came out of high school. So like 800 and mile. Okay. Um, right. That was more my focus.
0: So you have a, a family business, if you will, in running. Your brother is a coach. Your dad has been a runner for at least as long as I've known him. Mm-hmm. And your dad parlayed that into founding Three Rivers Running Company. Which he founded with a partner when he launched the business, mm-hmm. correct? So, so this happens, this business launches when you're in high school. And I want to bridge between, okay, Lynn's in high school, her dad starts this business, to today where now you're involved day-to-day, you're managing the business. You're thinking about journalism, you do some jobs out of school after you're done at St. Francis. When do you decide to go all in with the store and why do you make that decision?
1: So when we first opened in 2004, I would have been about fifteen, yeah. Um, so I was actually too young to work at the store, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to, mm-hmm. but le- you know, legally I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my brother could, and okay. I remember being really jealous that he got to work there, and he didn't even really seem to like it. <laughs> <laughs> He's told me since that he liked working at the store, he just didn't like fitting customers for shoes, which okay. is our hmm. entire business. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, like everything except for the customers. Yeah, yeah,
1: he just happened to be sixteen months older than me. Okay. So
0: okay, so he is old enough to work, but still in high school when the store opened.
1: Yeah, he okay. would have been in I was a sophomore, he was a junior. Got it. Um and so then by my senior year I started working at the store just yep. super part-time. Um and then I often on during college just depending on you know my schedule yep. and breaks and summers and that kind of stuff I worked at the store. Yeah. Um and then it was kind of a similar situation from when I graduated high school where I wanted to, you know, blaze my own path mm-hmm. and go out mm-hmm. and get a quote-unquote real job and do all these different things. And um, I did some internships while I was in school. I did um, have another full-time job after I graduated that just didn't didn't work out. It just wasn't really what I wanted to do.
0: I think we all have at least one of those, yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean— Everyone either has one or they're in one right? or they
0: will be yeah <laughs> they're in one yeah yeah, yeah for sure um, they don't know they're in it yeah. yeah
1: and so i think it's important to to test the waters and try other stuff out yeah. to, to see what you do and don't want to do mm-hmm. um and that led me to come back home to the family business and back to a lot of a lot of things basically involved with running so yeah. at, around that same time i was beginning my coaching career yeah. um and i coached for 3 years at bishop Lewers yep um and then came back working at the store kind of around that same time. Okay. So it all kind of tied tied back in together.
0: All right. So for, for those who are not familiar, a lot of the people listening with this, to this podcast will be familiar with Three Rivers, Rivers Running Company. But for those who aren't, how do you describe the business, the store, to those who don't know much about it?
1: So Three Rivers Running Company is a run specialty store. Mm-hmm. So we do specialize in running shoes, but we fit everybody yep. for a comfortable pair of shoes. Essentially, what we do... Is um, a gait analysis process. Mm-hmm. So we pride ourselves on our customer service and our fitting process. Everyone that comes in looking for shoes, will put through our uh, our gait analysis process, where we'll measure their feet, we'll ask a lot of questions, we'll watch them walk or run on the treadmill. Or on the track, just to see what type of shoe would be best for them, and kind of shepherd them through that whole process yeah. for them to find something that's going to work well for whatever they need the shoe to do, or whatever they need to do in the shoe. Yep. So as opposed to just being a shoe store or being you know solely running focused, we're we're truly there to kind of bridge. The customer with the product um, and bring those together.
0: And it's understanding how that individual runs because everybody has, you know, a a different gait as the gait analysis name implies, (laughs) G-A-I-T, not G-A-T-E. So you're looking at how does that individual run? And for those who are intimidated by that, it's literally only like a minute or maybe even less that you're being watched on the treadmill.
1: Yeah. I say 30 to 60 seconds and then we watch it and we basically take a video of the lower legs ankles and feet to see how things are moving to see what category of shoe would be best every like you said everybody's a little Mm -hmm. bit different everybody's body works a little bit differently and moves a little bit differently and so we have 12 different brands of shoes and tons of different models within that to find you know what's going to best suit what they need
0: so and lynn what is your role currently with the store
1: so my title technically is vice president. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't really explain anything. So yeah. I usually just say general manager, mm-hmm. Okay, which means I just generally do everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever your dad wants <laughs> you to do, right? Yeah. But
1: not not necessarily. I mean, it could be much, much beyond that. Yeah. He does a lot of the kind of higher end, um, you know, very business yeah. specific stuff, sure. um, you know, paying bills and, you know, sending paying invoices and um, all that kind of specific stuff. And then more of the ground level stuff is what I do.
0: So we've had, I think you're close to guest 140 on the podcast, but we haven't talked to a lot of folks who are day to day in retail. Mm -hmm. Tell me some of the things that you really like about that and tell me some of the challenges that you run into as someone who's running an independent retail store.
1: Well, I'll start with the challenges. I think retail is always tough just due to the math. Yeah. I mean, it's I th- I think that we're in a in a particularly good spot with the t- the type of product and the margins that we get on those pro- products. Um, but it's always tough just to make the numbers work with retail Yeah, compared to other industries. Mm-hmm. Um, staffing can be another issue because um, what we what we do is specialized customer service. It's a high skill job. It's yep. not like normal retail And so we want to pay like Mm -hmm. that, um, but it's also not necessarily, you know, hours-wise and pay-wise going to be the same as like an office desk
0: job. Yeah, and you're looking for people who know about the world of running. So a lot of times you're hiring people who are in school Mm -hmm. and they're running, so they have busy lives. Um. So their schedules aren't completely flexible, and many of them, after four years of school, they go somewhere else, they get another job, and then you have to find a replacement for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So
1: it makes it makes it tough because we do hire a lot of um, student athletes from the <laughs> University of Saint Francis, Purdue, Fort Wayne, um, and it's it's a great college job for them. They're you know depending on on what they're doing with their major, a lot yep. of times it ties into what they're studying, um, and it. You know, having people that are directly involved in the sport, I think, is really beneficial. Yeah, for sure. Um, But it does make it tough when people <laughs> graduate and then leave. A lot of times yeah. we'll have people that stay on and just work, like, weekends or things like that. So one of the upsides and downsides of what we do is we are open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So that can be a struggle, but it yeah. also gives opportunities, you know, for – a high schooler, for example, yep. we have a high school that just works on Sundays, mm-hmm. so that gives him an opportunity. Plus, that's just another day, obviously, of sales that we can have. So, yeah. I think it's um, specialty retail. I think is a lot different than normal retail, but it still comes with some of those same woes that you yeah. would get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with what one of the benefits of retail is that it's not the same every day.
0: Yeah,
1: it's always going to be something. It it's vaguely the same, but it's ev- there's different challenges and different you know, rewards basically. Yeah. Well, and, as one, basic one.
0: And, and despite all those challenges, the store's had a lot of success. You've got the 20th anniversary coming up yes. this year. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, Obviously it's, it's an exciting thing, but how are you celebrating that? What does that mean to, to you to be part of a business that didn't exist 20 years ago and is now successful and thriving and all those good things?
1: Yeah, it's, it's extremely exciting. I keep having to remind myself that that Twenty years means that I'm 35. <laughs> when we opened, I was you know a sophomore in high school, and yeah. so it's really um, it. I mean, it both seems like it flew by, and that it was a lifetime. Yeah, because um, it really is the lifetime of the store, and we've mm-hmm. had so many, so many different staff, and so many different people contribute to like what we you know the store that we are today. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one of the things that we're going to do to celebrate, we're going to do a celebratory concert at Baker Street Center on March 9th. Nice, yeah. Um, And so my father, Brad, who's the president of the Rivers Running Company and the principal owner, he is um, really into blues rock. So we have a blues rock artist coming out um, and we'll have tickets live for that. We're going to have all kinds of fun stuff on that specific day. We're also going to have some special sales in store across the month of March. So March for us is usually a really busy month in general. This year is going to be even busier um cuz it's our 20th anniversary but yeah. we definitely want I mean this is a huge occasion for us so we want to celebrate in style.
0: Well that's great. Well congratulations. That's, Thank that's you. that's a really cool thing. And you know another thing that I think makes it special is the fact that and I'm biased I was a fan of the store long before you know the the store became a client of Asher but um you've always been very community oriented very very service oriented from a retail standpoint but very community oriented um, I remember back when the store first opened on Covington Road, it was great to be able to to walk in and see your dad and others who I was seeing at races and who I knew were doing things beyond just selling shoes. They were in, in better in the community. I think that's continued and even increased over the years. So tell me about some of the things you're doing from a community standpoint that maybe you've always been doing or some things that are new as the store has evolved.
1: Yeah, I being involved in the community is one of the most important things that we do. I mean, we're a local business and the community helped build us, so we help build the community is kind of how we see yeah. it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I think we've always wanted to be integrated in the area that we're around. I mean, that's kind of the part of the reason that we exist. When yeah. um when my father was I guess that would have been in the early two thousands, he Took up, he'd been running when he was younger. He ran in high school. He ran while he was in college. And then after he and my mom had me and my brother, he kind of slowed down a little mm-hmm. bit. He had a knee injury.
0: Yeah.
1: He was kind of getting back into it. And so around that time, he was either driving down to Indianapolis or ordering stuff online from Roadrunner Sports. Mm-hmm. And he noticed when he'd go to races and talk to other people, that, that was kind of the same thing. Yeah. And people wanted somewhere that they could get shoes where they could try them on and they could see— you know what she would be best for them, and so I think that the store itself was created out of a community need. Yeah, um, and so that we've always had that as as you know the core of of who we are.
0: Yeah, and and one of the things that you you've started recently is the Apple Seeds program, which is designed to get kids involved, and at a time when it's really hard to keep kids active. Tell me a little bit about that. What's the goal of the program, and how has that evolved over the past few years?
1: Yeah, Appleseeds is probably my favorite thing that I do at the store right now. Yeah. Um, I built Appleseeds in 2017, um, and we started with just a summer running club. So it was like an eight-week program. I think we had 20 or 25 kids that first year. Um, but basically, that at that point, it was just for elementary school kids, mm-hmm. just to kind of get them involved, introduce them to running. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just kind of some—basically getting basically getting it started. Yeah. Um, since then we've grown, now we have four different programs a year. So we'll have our winter indoor track club coming up soon. We've got, uh, our summer running program. That's now 10 weeks. We've got a cross country season that we're doing in the fall. And then we have a track camp, which is four days that we do at the very end of the year. Okay. And so we've, um, doing that, we've been able to, you know, work with a lot more kids and expand what we're doing. The, really the core of apple seeds pun intended. <laughs> that it, was a good one. Yeah. Thank you. It I went right over my head. I honestly didn't think yeah, I didn't <laughs> think you noticed it. Um but the the core of what we do at Apple is to make running fun. Yeah. We're not necessarily trying to, you know, find the the next Olympian. This is running is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Running should be fun and running is something that everyone can do. Yeah. It should be accessible and it should be um, you know, engaging for the kids. And so we do workouts and we ch- we do races and, you know, we challenge them to grow and get better and we teach them about, you know, the sport and the science behind it. But really the whole point of it is just to make running fun so yeah. that people like running.
0: Well, and, and, and what you said about it being accessible, you know, there's there's a lot of sports that parents can choose from and a lot of good ones in our community, but a lot of them are very expensive. If you look at the equipment that goes into football and and hockey especially. I was a former hockey player and, and basically my family ran out of money for me to play hockey is why I stopped because the equipment was so expensive. So you can have families from a lot of walks of life get involved, keep their kids active and not have to worry about, you know, mortgaging the house in order to yeah. gear them up for the next season.
1: Yeah. I and I I do notice that with a lot of other sports that it, there's a lot of barriers to entry. Yeah. And you're having to pay for equipment, plus you're paying for coaching, plus you're paying for travel and and all these different things. So one of my main goals with Apple Seeds was to keep the cost, you know, as low yeah. as possible. And so I've looked at other sports programs, um, really, even just around the area. And they're like three or four times as expensive, which, yeah. you know, is under, understandable depending on what facilities sure. and equipment and stuff that you need. But really with running, especially for kids, they just need a pair of shoes
0: Yeah,
1: and everything else. Yeah. You know, everything else is just kind of gravy on top of that. Yeah. So, you know, if they want, you know nice running clothes or they want, uh, you know, a, wa- a GPS watch or something like that. You don't need any of that it's stuff. It makes it easy. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, a 10-year-old doesn't really need a GPS anyways. Yeah, probably not.
0: Probably not. Um, so, yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, and we, like I said, we just try to keep it fun and yeah. keep it enjoyable. So we do a lot of games that involve running. So, like, we'll do a workout and then a lot of times kids are like, how many do we have left? I can't run another step. Yeah. And then... They get a water break and they're like, what game are we playing? And yeah. they'll run another 30 minutes just playing dodgeball or something like that.
0: Well, it's such a, I mean, for for people who aren't really into running as a sport, the thing that I always liked about it 30 pounds ago when I used to be a serious runner is just the confidence it gives you in other areas of life. You know, when when you run your first 5K, it gives you confidence to say, maybe I could do a 10K. And when you do that, you can say, maybe I can do anything. And, and I'm sure what you're seeing in kids is you know kids who maybe never ran competitively or seriously in their life who are you know seeing potential in themselves they didn't see any time before that,
1: yeah, and with running, I think it's what's really important is it's not necessarily what you run, it's where you started. Mm-hmm. so a you know, a kid that can't run a whole mile yeah. and then by the end of the season, they can run a mile and they only walk once is a huge accomplishment oh, yeah, for and sure. so Anytime you have, like, those improvements or those little challenges that you can overcome, I think it lights a spark. Yeah. So when we just did, for example, our track camp, we, we worked somewhat on high jump. And it was like, we're going to start the bo- the bar really low mm-hmm. so they can get over it. Because if they never get over it, they're not going to want to keep jumping. Yeah. If they get over that first bar, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they mm-hmm. love to high jump. Yeah. yeah. So I th- And I think that's something in running that can be applied for all ages. Yeah. It's really... It's once you kind of accomplish something or once you get over one hurdle, another pun, Yeah. then you have that competence that you can do other things, other hard things, not necessarily even just in running. But like you said, you know, when people finish a 5K, then they want to run a 10K, then they yeah. want to run a half marathon, and then crazy people want to run ultra marathons. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, and it's one of the things, too, that when I have a challenge in life, I'll say, hey, I ran a marathon. If I can do that maybe I can do this. Mm -hmm. And there's a little voice in my head that says there was a time you didn't think you could do that. And you did. Right. So, and a lot of that started for me when I was in seventh grade, I switched schools, didn't know anyone. And I was like, how am I going to meet people? Okay. I know how to run. I'll do that. (laughs) And it turned me into a lifelong runner. And I think the fact that you're giving kids that opportunity is a great thing, introducing them to a sport that, you know, I think it it has the advantages of being individual. You're competing against yourself, but you also have that camaraderie and that team around you.
1: Yeah. And you don't have that in every sport. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the most beautiful things about running is the communal aspect mm-hmm. of it. Wh- whatever level it's at, whether it's like an elementary kids race or, you know, like an elite level, you know, Olympic, yeah. m- Olympic race or something like that. You still see that same, even between competitors because you're, you're going through something together, you're yeah. sharing something together and you're all kind of working towards a common goal even though you want to beat each other. It's like for example, if you have a whole bunch of really fast men and they're all fighting tooth and nail, only, you know, only one of them's going to win, but like all of them could break four. Yeah. You know yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: or PR, you know, I I remember when I was running competitively before I knew your dad well, I I would identify him as like if I can get close to that guy, I know I had a good race. I was never going to beat him, but it was a motivator for me to at least stay within his sight line, which I didn't do very often. But and probably still couldn't do to this day. Um, but but you're really judging yourself against yourself, and it's a bonus if you you know finish at the at the front of the pack.
1: Exactly. Yeah. the The true competition's the clock, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I, and I think that makes it. Um, Something that everybody can do at any level. It's yeah. not like, you know, someone who's like thirty-five, like my age, that wants to start playing basketball. Like, where <laughs> am I going to learn how to yeah. play basketball? Yeah. But anybody can start running. Yeah. You know, from from anywhere, and uh, you can run as long or as short as you want. You know, a, a mile is a mile. Yeah, for sure. Regardless of how long it takes you.
0: Yeah. So as you as you look ahead, because you know there's there's a, a a great future ahead for the store. What What is your vision for it? What do you want to happen? What are some of the things you're working on to make the business sustainable into the future? What's important to you?
1: Honestly, I think that a lot of the progress that we've made over the last 20 years, I think is really, really important and is we've kind of gotten the business to a point where we are really in a good spot right yeah. now. So um, right now we've got, you know, more staff, more brands, more product, more inventory, um, more grassroots programs, all of that kind of stuff than we've ever had before. Yeah. And so I think continuing with this similar trajectory is yeah. is really what I'd like to see. Um, I think specifically with the store itself, we're always kind of trying to be as flexible and as innovative as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so as things change, we want to be, you know, on the cutting edge of things with technology, with our brands, with, you know, how we're doing our gate analysis process, all those different things. But really, the the root of that is our customer service. And so I think on a granular level, the, the care and the, um, you know, support that comes from our staff is really the most important thing. Yeah. And so that's – none of that is anything that we want to change. Yeah. That's all – you know, really just staying focused on on what's really important at the end of the day, which is that customer service piece.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. You know, you've had success for 20 years. So if you (laughs) invested some of the same things, you'll probably continue to have success. That's great. Well, let's pivot to a few quick hit questions. Um, And let's start with your career path. You, at a a young age, took on a leadership role. You've hired people. You've probably had to let some people go over the years. (laughs) You've learned some things about building a successful and fulfilling career. What do you think of the keys that you've learned that you think are applicable to anybody? What what does it take to have a successful career?
1: I think just constantly learning, Mm -hmm. um, being curious and and seeking out information Mm -hmm. has been really important. So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, being a general manager, there's all kinds of stuff that falls into falls onto my plate, essentially. Um, And so there's been a lot of stuff that I've had to either figure out or ask questions or learn about that. I didn't have to do or didn't even know needed to be done. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so, I think, I think being kind of diversifying my skill set and just being open to learning about new stuff. Yep. And, um, you know, as we progress as well, eventually, I'll have to learn even more stuff that, you know, that Brad does on a day-to-day basis yeah. that, um, you know, I'm, and then other people will have to do some of the stuff that I'm doing. So, I think some of that just being flexible and being willing to do whatever really is for the good of the business As opposed to being like, well, I really like making the Facebook post. So (laughs) it's like there's other people that are better than me at that. And so I'm going to have them do that. And then I'm going to flex and and do this other thing. Or I need, you know, I need to work on, for example, right now I'm learning more about accounting, Mm -hmm. which I never thought would be something that I'd want to do. But it is a really important piece. And it's something that I've actually really enjoyed.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and and you alluded to something I think that's important to mention is you don't do any of this alone. You've got a team that works with you. Tell us a little bit about some of the folks on the team and, and who some of your key people are that you rely on for different things.
1: So we have a product manager um, who does basically everything product-related, ordering, yeah. um, inventory, everything, you know, shipping, receiving, all that kind of stuff. And then we have um a sales floor senior sales floor manager who basically is going to be our external yep. person she's in charge of everything out on the sales floor she does merchandising she you know works with obviously the customers um she does some back office work as well but essentially he's in charge of the product she's in charge of the sales floor yeah. um then we have two other shift managers that help a lot um with managing the sales floor and the products and all that kind of stuff as well um and then we have a marketing manager as well who handles um, you know the basically she'll get the customers in, Andy will get the products in, yeah, and then our our staff will have those two meet in the middle, so yeah. and yeah. that's what our staff does really on a day to day basis is helping customers find the the best possible solution for what they need, yeah, um, so we have to have those two things, <laughs> otherwise yeah. you can't
0: sure, well, can't well I mentioned that. that because I think sometimes you know people can. Um, it, it's a balance between two things you mentioned. Sometimes people imagine that someone like you has to do everything, and, and you have to know about every aspect of the business, but you also have to know, as you mentioned, when someone is smarter than you and can probably do a better job with something. So I think delegation is an important part of it and something that it sounds like you've learned over the years, too.
1: What are you, my therapist? You sound <laughs> just like her. That is really important. It's yeah. something that I still need to work on because I do feel like a lot of stuff you know, everything kind of falls on to me, but yeah. there are, we do have an amazing staff and a really, I think, a really, really good core group of managers that I can lean on yeah. and I can ask for help with things. And I've been able to get, um, you know, certain tasks delegated to them, which has helped tremendously. I mean, it's for the good of everybody. Yeah. Um, and and I think it helps utilize their skill set better. So they're enjoying what they're doing more. It gives them more ownership yeah. of of the business and what they're what they're doing. Um, gives them more ownership of their job. Um and I think it's also like you said, it's just realizing like somebody else is probably better than me at this. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I should let them do it. Yeah. Well I think when you start in a leadership role as young as you did, there is a a, you know, a natural inclination to try to kind of prove yourself, especially in a family business, to definitely. come in and say, I need to be the smartest person in the room about everything. And then if your leadership experience is anything like mine, you learn pretty quickly, you can't and you're not. <laughs> and that's where the delegation piece comes in.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it's also like, well, they I was put in this role, so I have to prove why yeah. I'm worthy to be mm-hmm. in this role. Um, and that really, like you said, I learned pretty quickly that that comes from managing other people and having other people do stuff like that. Um, So yeah, not everything, you know, everything doesn't necessarily fall on my shoulders, but it's, I'm still responsible for, for everything that goes on in there. But I'm really lucky with the people that we've got at the store right now and the stuff that they're able to do. And, um, kind of some of this some of the stuff that they've just taken and, and run with it.
0: Yeah. Another, yeah. there's another there there's we go. another one. I think that's 3 or 4. Wow. 3. This yeah. is the punniest episode I think we've <laughs> ever had. All right, second quick hit question. What is a myth or misconception related to your work that could be about the world of specialty retail? It could be about the world of running that you want to either debunk or something you think that isn't appreciated enough that you want to amplify?
1: Uh, The biggest myth about our store is that we're just for runners. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we're Three Rivers running company. Yeah. That's probably, I would say, of all the customers that we see, less than 50% of them are going to run in their shoes. Mm -hmm. We fit walkers. We fit um, people that are just doing general fitness. Mm -hmm. People going to the gym. um, People getting shoes for work if they're standing all day. Yeah. People who need more supportive shoes um, just to wear around Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. People with specific health problems, foot problems, ankle problems. We fit everybody. Um, Anybody that needs a comfortable pair of shoes. Okay. Technically, our shoes are classified as running shoes, but Mm -hmm. running shoes are really versatile and work for a lot of things. It's not like, you know, getting a bowling shoe or (laughs) like a football cleat where it's like you can only wear it for that one specific thing. You can wear, and I do, wear running shoes all the time for pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, And so I think a a lot of times people will get intimidated Mm -hmm. to come see us. And one of the things we hear all the time when someone walks through the doors, I'm not a runner, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you don't have to be. Well, everyone can come shop with us.
0: Yeah. And part of it, too, is just realizing how the shoes you walk in every day affect your overall health. Even if you have no aspirations to be a runner, you're going to spend a decent amount of time on your feet, regardless of who you are in most cases. So they should work well for you and they should keep you out of energy, uh, out of injury, even if you never have any aspirations to run a quarter mile.
1: Yeah, so I've heard. I do, I do not know who to attribute this quote to, but I've heard you spend the majority of your life in your bed or your shoes, so yeah. it pays to invest in both. Yeah. So if you think about it that way, I mean your your feet are the foundation for your entire body. Yeah. All of your weight is being, you know, put onto your feet. Yep. So it it is really important, especially if you're going to be on your feet, using your feet and walking around or or at a job where you're standing all day, it it makes a big difference over time specifically.
0: Okay. So not just for runners. We're learning something. (laughs) Okay. And then the last quick hit question, obviously you have to deal with a lot of technology in your work and this can be a technology solution, but it doesn't have to be. A lot of people on the podcast talk about analog solutions. What is a tool, a trick, a tip, a hack, something you use in your work that makes your job easier that you think deserves a mention.
1: We were just talking about this the other day. We use Canva. Yeah. Canva is like a design um design and editing tool. Yeah. Um and I think it's like 12 bucks a month. Yeah. Um as opposed to, you know, using some uh, a higher end mm-hmm. like creative suite yeah. um which we, like I said, we have a marketing manager and mm-hmm. she's phenomenal and Canva is like her very favorite thing. Yeah. She can do everything she needs in yeah. there and I can get in there and do everything I need. So we can use it as a team. We can use it individually. Yeah. Um. It has like a million different templates and all the different, you know, sizes and basically everything that you could need to design, you know, stuff that we would need for Social our media store. media posts,
0: flyers, Exactly. All that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we use it for all kinds of stuff, and it's it's been, like, invaluable.
0: Yeah, Well, it's a great tool, and I think it's the tool that's probably been mentioned the most when I asked that question, but that's with a reason. I mean, there was a time when it was the Adobe Creative Suite, which is great, mm-hmm. and then or something that wasn't great. <laughs> and it right. kind of filled that in between for folks like me who aren't trained designers, And you can put out a high quantity of stuff, but still be assured that it's going to be of a certain quality. There's enough uh, guardrails in Canva that are going to, you know, you could still make a bad design in Canva, but it's going to help you make it better, even if you're not trained as a designer.
1: Yeah, when I started at St. Francis, I asked if I could get a minor in graphic design, and they said that does not exist. (laughs) Mm,
0: Because it is so specialized? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's – Graphic design is really specialized um, and really technical, um, so it it just doesn't doesn't work for the amount yeah. you know amount of credit hours that go into a minor. Yeah, but it's we I we went to like an industry uh, conference a couple of years ago, and there was someone speaking to us about specifically marketing and mm-hmm. and how to do that because there's a lot of stores that are even smaller than us that have you know we have a, about 16 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, typically we have anywhere from like 15 to 18 employees on staff at a time. Um, And there are some other stores that'll have, you know, like three and the owner's doing everything. The owner's fitting people for shoes and then checking in boxes and then writing an order and then trying to make a flyer. Yeah. And so her, somebody was like, well, what, what do you do if you don't know how to do any kind of graphic design? And she said, you should hire someone to work on your sales floor that has a degree in graphic design. (laughs) Yeah. And I raised my hand (laughs) and I was like, you should just use Canva. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper. And I don't think anybody with a graphic design degree is necessarily like, I'll just go do this and then I'll do some flyers for them. Yeah. yeah. You know, you you need to either hire someone to do that freelance, which is pretty expensive. I yeah. mean, graphic designers are. Yeah. You're not not cheap for a reason. Oh, for sure. But you know, some like you said in Canva, there's some guardrails in there, so I can't mess it up too bad. Well, it's got the templates already put together well, for good me. For
0: you for raising your hand <laughs> and and educating the folks in the room. Well, I'm I'm guessing that among the 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 rooms you're in when it's leadership of running specialty stores, and I could be completely wrong, but you're probably younger than many of them. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Is it is it equal distribution, male and female, or is it male dominated?
1: It's. I'd have to look at the numbers. I think it's male dominated, but not heavily.
0: So maybe sixty forty. At Probably. Most. Yeah. yeah. There's. Okay.
1: There's and there's a lot of stores that are co-owned by like couples. Yeah. So like married couples. Okay. Um. There's not. There's. We have found other stores, but there's not a ton that are co-owned by father and daughter specifically yeah. or parent.
0: Yeah. Child. Yeah. I mean, I'm
1: not a child, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were at one time. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we've we've <laughs> seen other stores that are like mother yeah. and son yeah. or. Father, daughter, father sure. son, that kind of thing. it's not super common, but I think with local businesses or um other businesses similar to ours that aren't in the run and specialty yeah. channel, I think that is more common,
0: yeah. have a
1: retirement plan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say that because good for you for speaking up. It can be intimidating to be in those rooms, but I think your perspective as someone who maybe is a little younger is helpful when other people are looking for what tools can I use to make this a little easier, especially if they're a staff of three and not 16. So So keep educating everyone. That's great.
1: (laughs) If I have anything else good to offer, I will.
0: All right. Great. Well, you have done a great job and you might be the number one Marba on this podcast. We'll just have to see what the numbers tell us.
1: Yeah, we'll have to uh, maybe get my three-year-old on here. All right. Because she could be a really good guest. She's kind of a wild card, though. All
0: right. Well, she was in this very room, so she's...
1: She was in this room. That's one she, of the qualifiers. She might have gotten crumbs everywhere. and yeah. um, She might have broken a fan. <laughs> I call her a three-nager. Okay. All right. That's great. Yeah. Not even three yet, but.
0: All right. Well, she will be, I can guarantee you, she will be the next Marba on the podcast. We'll, We'll make it happen. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Lynn. And thank you to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next time with another great guest. And we hope you'll join us then.